Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Well, the debate's over. Uh, It's officially Christmas season. Uh, Thanksgiving has passed. And so that means Christmas music is blaring everywhere and you're starting to see Christmas lights. And for me, I love it. We've been like doing this in September. We're one of those people. And one of my favorite uh, songs is Oh Holy Night. Not only because it's beautiful, but just the lyrics, I don't know if you've ever read them before, uh, are so powerful. And there's this one line that says, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And that line has really just stuck out in my own spirit this Christmas season, uh, that there is an exhaustion and a weariness uh, that I've seen around our culture. And the reality is it's around the world right now. And uh, this Uh, author and songwriter talks about in the middle of the world facing that same feeling, there is this thrill of hope. Now, hope's an interesting concept. It's kind of a buzzword. Uh, But biblical hope is, is something that's normally attached to not something that just happens all of a sudden you weren't expecting, but it's rather an anticipation, a waiting, a longing. Think of it like this. Biblical hope is, is less like the first time I met Jen, and I was just like, whoa, I've, I've never seen anyone like you before, and there was like this thrill of hope, but rather, a thrill of hope, or the biblical version of hope, is more like our wedding day. Still hope, still expectation, and I'm longing for it, but there's participation, there's anticipation, there is, there is us working together in preparation for this day. That's how the Bible describes hope. It's not just something that all of a sudden we're just, it might happen and we are passive, but rather it is this active invitation that there is a hope that we get to look toward that we know is coming. And that's exactly what this season is. Season is. And that's where the, the church is called the season Advent, which is the Latin, comes from the Latin word for arrival. And so this is where we look back and we realize that Jesus came, right? A thrill of hope. He showed up in the midst of darkness and he came as a light. And then also we anticipate the arrival of Jesus coming again. And so we live between these two worlds, but our posture as we wait is hope. Now, psychologists define fear as the expectation of future suffering, but they define hope as the expectation of future good. And hope is only going to be as strong as the object in which we place it in. Right? Some of you, when you wake up in the morning and you turn on your car, you have this hope that it's going to be able to get you to work or get you to the store. But the, the quality of that hope is only as good as the reliability of that car, which is why we look to the scriptures to help us define what hope is. Hope is not just wishful thinking that somehow things are all going to work out. We have a hope that's concrete, that's promised, because hope is only as good and only as strong as the object of that hope. And so our hope is in God. 
But sometimes even that can seem a little ambiguous. Like we just hope that there's some sort of being out there that we're hoping kind of makes things work out. But scriptures give us something, uh, really three specific things that we can hope to. Number one, Jesus is coming back to make all things right. If you're watching this and you're in the middle of your own season of upheaval and loss and uncertainty, we have a concrete hope in that God is at work and is coming again to make everything right. I love the the Jesus Storybook Bible for Children. It talks about that there will come a day when he makes all the sad things untrue. So that's the first thing. We have something to look forward to. Secondly, we have hope that no matter what we're going through, we have the presence of Jesus in the midst of whatever we're going through. A matter of fact, that Scripture talks about that God draws near to the brokenhearted. There's something about our suffering that helps us be able to increase our awareness of God's presence in our life. And lastly, we serve a God who doesn't waste pain. Our hope is that although we have a God that does not cause pain, he does not cause suffering, he works in the midst of it. And so this is why the Bible can talk so much about hope because we have a strong hope. It's this anticipatory hope, and at the same time, it is a present hope in what's going on. And so there's, there's really two things the Bible offers us for us to be able to gain a strong theology of hope. Number one, the Bible tells us the larger narrative of human, of the human existence. And we find ourselves in that story, in that arc of that narrative, we find ourselves. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today is just kind of the larger scope of the story. And where do we find ourselves in that story? Because the reality uh, as modern Westerners, oftentimes the story we think about is ours. It's our own individual story. But sometimes we forget that we're a part of a larger story that God is telling. But the second thing is, is the Bible does speak to our individual stories. He talks to about our current circumstances. And when we look at the nation of Israel or the people of God and the larger story of God, oftentimes what we find is that those same themes apply to us as an individual right now in 2020, longing for God to show up and for us to increase our hope. And so this is what I'd like for us to do as we're just entering into the Christmas season. I want us to look at the story of the incarnation. The incarnation is the Christmas story. It's the story when God showed up incarnationally. He literally took his, his throne in heaven and he didn't leave his divinity, but he left the rights that he had because of his divinity. And he entered into humanity in a time that the world desperately needed it. And he's still doing it today. And so I just want to walk you through these, these four different movements in the story of when hope showed up. And so there's four, four different movements, main movements that we see in the story. Number one, we see hope show up at dusk. Dusk is, dusk is when the sun sets, right? The day is done, and all of a sudden it's getting dark. Then we see hope show up at night. We see these, these prophetic movements of when Israel is at their lowest point in history, in exile, not knowing where God was or when he's going to show up, we see hope. Then we see hope at dawn. We see through the coming of Jesus that a light has come and we see hope for the people of God. And lastly, we see hope at day. 
right? We see that there is a time when the light that we see now will be even brighter because we will see God restore all things. So we're just going to kind of walk through that move, that movement of dusk to night to dawn to day and to see how the Christmas story, the incarnation, helps us grab on to hope in 2020. So number one, hope at dusk. Uh, before we read Isaiah chapter 9, I just want to kind of update you where Israel is in their history. Israel has just gone on a massive civil war. The sons of King David have split the kingdom into a northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The southern kingdom has continued to try and follow God, but the northern kingdom has completely walked away. And as they're doing this, uh, the nation of Assyria comes in and from the north begins to start taking over and, and oppressing and taking away the nation of Israel. And this hope-filled generation that was back a couple, um, couple of generations is now losing their hope, right? It's, the sun is setting and it's getting darker. And there's a prophet to the nation of Israel and his name was Isaiah. And Isaiah's book is really split up into two separate books. And the first part of the book is talking to this part of Israel's history, the part where things are getting dark, the sun is setting, and they're like, what is about to happen? What's going on? And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So these Zebulun and Naphtali, Galilee, these are the northern parts of Israel. They're the first part to be invaded. So Israel points this out saying, listen, there is going to be no more gloom for these areas, the ones who are hit hardest and hit first. Verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness will have seen a great light. For those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so here is this the people of God who had previously flourished and had walked away and had given themselves over to idolatry. And Assyria comes in and their former glory is literally being stripped from their eyes and they're facing just immense oppression. Isaiah, this prophet, shows up and says, listen, the place that was hit first and hit hardest is going to be the first one to see hope. I just want you to think about that. The larger story of God tells us that the place that was hit hardest and hit first will be the places that see hope first and light's going to shine. And not only is this true of the larger story of God, but this is true of your life. What are the areas of your life that have been hit hard and have been hit first, have seen the most amount of devastation? And I would encourage you, biblically, those are the areas in your life that we can look to for hope. Those are the areas in we can laugh and say, okay, God, I might not see it right now. It might seem like things are getting worse, but I'm looking for light. I'm not losing my hope that you're going to show up to the places that have been most devastated in my life. After Assyria comes in and invades Israel, it's, it's a number of years later where actually Assyria is overthrown. And Babylon comes in as the world empire. This is before ancient Greece. This is before Rome. And Babylon is now the world-dominant power. And at this point, they have taken not only over the northern kingdom of Israel, but the southern kingdom of Judah. 
And at this point, it's not like the sun is setting. It's just dark. It's just dark. It's just like this. And, and maybe you've been in this place before where it's not like things are getting worse. They just have been worse for a long time. It's kind of what 2020 is feeling like for some of us. We thought this was going to be two or three weeks. And here we are 10 months, nine months into this. And there is this sense of like, man, this has been a long time. Maybe you personally have been through a season of suffering and you're like, this has just been a long time. Maybe it just feels like your life. But Isaiah the prophet shows up again. Again, this is years later. A different world power is in control. And he writes this hope-filled prophetic promise. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 40. This is the beginning of kind of the second part of his book. He says this, why do you say, Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord? It's literally covered in darkness. And Israel's saying, God doesn't see us. It's dark. He goes on to say, my cause is disregarded by my God. Israel, and then Isaiah says, do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But here it is. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This Hebrew word for hope is kava. And kava is translated in the ESV and other translation as wait, those who wait on the Lord. So which one is it? Is it wait or hope? And the answer is yes. Like I said, this isn't the hope when I met Jen of like, wow, I wonder what it's going to be. This is the hope of our wedding day. This is that I see something in the future. I'm going to dwell upon it. I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to cultivate it. Because the reality is, is we think hope is a feeling. But in the Bible, hope is a virtue. It's something that we have to pour into. It's a muscle we have to work. Hope is something that we have to continue to let take root in our lives. It takes this active participation, not a passive one. And so I love this passage in Isaiah. It just says, listen, those who are weary, those who feel like they've been lost and are hidden, says, your strength will be renewed when you hope in the Lord. And again, yes, this is a part of the larger story of God. This is part of Israel's story. This is also part of our story, that when it seems like it's the darkest it's our opportunity to hope and refuse to become hopeless, not because of wishful thinking, but because of the God that we serve who is at work even in the night. Next, what we see in Israel's history is a time of darkness, a time of silence. But then those prophetic words in Isaiah and Zechariah and in the Psalms of someday there will be this Messiah, which just means promised one or anointed one. There will be this light that's going to come. 
all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And in John's account of this, I want you to listen how John records it. He doesn't record just the events. He records in a more poetic, metaphorical way what's happening at the arrival of Jesus when he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Number verse five is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And he says this about Jesus' coming. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the hope at dawn. This is that moment. I mean, you think about that, that old um, poetic line from Thomas Fuller from hundreds of years ago, right? That it is darkest before the dawn. And what we're seeing right here is this is Israel's moment in their history. They went from being captured by Assyria to Babylon to ancient Greece, and now they're under Pax Roma, Roman rule, under the boot of Rome. And then all of a sudden, this no-name town brings forth this no-name kid named Jesus, who grows up not only to be an influential rabbi, but grows up to be the most life-changing figure in all of human history because he is God incarnate showing up. And when John thinks about this event, he says this, the light of all mankind, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is when Jesus shows up in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden you start seeing that glimmer. And again, please hear me. Yes, this is the history that we find in scripture. But this is also the reality that we get to live in. We get to live on this side of the dawn. We get to live because Jesus has already come. And which means there is no darkness, no night that he can't come and show up and begin to dissipate the shadows and the hopelessness and the discouragement and the sickness and anything that's going around us. There's nothing beyond the power of God's light through Jesus Christ showing up. This is our moment. We live on this side of history that we're not just looking for Jesus to come. He's already come. He already came. And because of that, we have access through the Holy Spirit to everything that he brings. His presence and his comfort, his victory and his strength and his healing is ours in Christ Jesus. And for the people of Israel in that time, this was the thrill of hope. This is what they had been anticipating. This is what they've been praying for. And they hadn't lost sight of it. And I think sadly for us, it's easy for us to just look back at some history event and forget that this is what Jesus is still doing today. A matter of fact, we live in between the two comings, right? We live between Jesus came and he's coming again. This is our point in God's great story. Eugene Peterson, in his lecture on hope, says this, We live between the two comings of Jesus, his first and his second. Hope is what connects the present to the past and to the future. Hope is a response to the future, which has its foundations in the promises of God. Hope is not about the future. Hope is about the present. 
It obviously has to do with the future, but it is a virtue that we cultivate in the present. It fills the present with energy. It connects the two comings of Jesus so that we are now participant in them. We are not remembering the one and believing in the other. We are participating in the continuity of the comings. I love this. We're not just remembering one and hoping for the next. We're participating in We're not only getting to see the light coming in, we're a part of the light coming in. We're invited into this work, into the world. And so so please hear me. We are not only the receivers of hope, we are now the vehicle of hope. We get to go into a world that is desperately looking for something to put their hope in. And because of what's gone on this year, so much of that has just blown up. But we get to stand here and say, listen, Even at dusk, even in the middle of the night, we know dawn's coming. We know that Jesus shows up. And we know that even in the dawn, right, living in between the now and the not yet, what's coming, there's still more to come. Listen listen to this, that this theme of of light that John picks up, he, he kind of revisits in another one of his writings in a book called Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. It's the last book that was written. And listen to how he describes what's going to be coming at the end. It says, Then the angel of the Lord showed me the river, the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Listen, we have a hope that not only is is coming and dawning, we have a hope that someday will shine so bright. It says that we we will no longer have a need for a lamp or the sun because God will be our lamp. This is why no matter what this year has thrown at us, no matter what circumstances you're walking through, we have a hope that does not disappoint, the scripture says. Think about that. We have a hope that does not disappoint because the object of our hope is always victorious. Even if we're currently suffering, Jesus in his greatest moments of suffering had a joy that was set before him. And we get to have that too. No matter what we're walking through, what cross we're bearing, what loss we're grieving, we have a hope set before us that someday there will be no more night Light's coming. Light has come. And someday it will envelop every darkness that's around us. And so my my prayer, my hope for you, if you're watching this, is that you would recognize that your circumstances do not dictate the level of your faith and hope. Rather, the promises of God that have been laid out through all of Scripture, the larger story of God and the story you're living right now, means that we have access to, wait upon, hope in the Lord. And that hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, it's not just, just somehow speculating. It's 
sure. It's strong because it's in the person of Jesus. And so I just hope right now this would just be a breath of fresh air in your lungs of just saying, man, there is nothing in this world that can take away the hope that I have because light has dawned. And the places that have been the hardest and the darkest, I know that. And so this is what I'd like to you. I'd like to read a blessing over you. This is Paul writing to the church in Romans when he says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Father, I want to pray right now that whoever is watching this would overflow with hope. Not, not that there would just be a spark of hope, not that there would just be like an agreement theologically of like, yeah, I guess I should hope. I'm asking right now by the power of your spirit that in the very, the very bones of our body, Lord Jesus, would just begin to feel, Lord, and be filled up with hope to the point where it's overflowing in our lives. God, thank you that you offer us not a weak or wishful hope, but a strong hope. God, that we can look back, that you came. And Lord, we can look forward, that you're going to make all things right. And as we live in the middle of these two comings, Lord Jesus, would we be the people of hope. God, marked by the light. Lord, that even when life is at its darkest, we know the story. We know how it ends, and we know how you've shown up again and again and again. Form us, God. Speak to us. Fill us now, Holy Spirit, that we'd be overflowing with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.